Welcome. This is the Lady Leadership Podcast. Sam's goal is clear, helping as many women as she can meet their full potential in business and in life. Hi, this is Sam McIntyre, and in this season of the Lady Leadership Podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about how to get the most out of your career, whether you have your own business, whether you work in corporate, or whether you're just starting out, maybe you're finishing uni. So, joining me, and I look forward to sharing all my tips and hints on how to fast track your career. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Lady Leadership Show. Super excited to bring you this latest episode. It's uh, episode 50, and so I'm really, really wrapped that I've made it to 50 episodes. So thanks for joining me and listening to this podcast. I've, um, I hope I've helped you in your journey, whether that's a business journey, whether that's a career journey. What I thought I would do today is I wanted to just share lessons that I've learned uh, working in big, small, and my own startup. So I'm not sure that I've really kind of shared with people on the podcast previously my startup experience. And um, so I thought I would today. And I thought I would share about how to start a startup and just, yeah, some of the lessons that I've actually learnt um, working in some of the big startups, working in um, smaller ones, and then, yeah, definitely working my own and um, what I've learnt. So I probably just start by saying that I... My dad ran his own business. He ran uh, 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 aircraft engineering business. So I learned quite a few kind of business lessons learning up, just sitting around um, around the table, listening to things that my dad said, how they dealt with their customers, that sort of thing. Um, he also had a bit of a side hustle. He printed T-shirts and I started working really young. And I think I've shared with my podcast listeners before that um, I was sort of never allowed to not turn up for work. I always had to show up and and grew up in a family that had a really strong work ethic. So when I was living in the UK, I went to the UK in 1999. I went travelling for about sort of six months and Oh, six months to a year. And then I was working in London. I couldn't get a job. Um, I couldn't get a permanent job. I was on a, uh, you know, two-year working holiday visa and I also sort of had to step, take a little bit of a step back in my career. So I had sort of left Australia kind of being a project coordinator, you know, junior project manager and had um, then, you know, when I got to the UK, I got jobs working in um, writing policies and procedures, which I'd sort of done previously. And then I also got then, um, you know, I'd started to get sort of a little bit of kind of project working in that project space again. I also uh, worked as a barista um, as well, but I got fired. That's a funny story. Um, And um, I got fired because I'd previously been earning a lot kind of uh, in the IT world and uh, long story short, the I the the shop that I went to work at was part of a big chain, and it was just a few doors from my house. And so I was like, okay, I'm happy to um you know just work there a few hours a week and get like the minimum UK wage, I think, which was four pound twenty five an hour. But then they wanted me to go 
on the tube. I, they wanted me to go up a few suburbs. I would have had to catch the tube and the tube fare cost about four pounds. And so I was kind of like, well, I'm working for the first hour or two for nothing and you're only giving me a four-hour shift and so I'm working for like eight quid, which didn't really suit at the time and um, because I was getting paid a lot more sort of in an IT consulting. Anyway, I ended up turning down some shifts, um, which was something I'd normally never do. And, um, yeah, they fired me. So there you go. Anyway, I um, I managed to get myself a job at a startup. They were looking for, say, a project coordinator, project administrator, sort of business analyst role and um, I'd seen an advertise, went for an interview, got along really well with the hiring manager, Andrew's name was, really liked him, he's actually South African and so, yeah, I found myself at this um, startup. It was uh, It was sort of being run by a collective of posh English people, you might say, who were well-educated. They had managed to get themselves, um, believe it or not, £20 million investment from Numura Bank um, for their startup idea. And so that was uh, in the year 2000, so that was uh, 21 years ago. And so, look, I suppose in Australian money, that's about 45, 50 million pound, um, Australian dollars. And then, I don't know, you know, probably more due to it was 20 years ago. So uh, they'd gotten themselves a bit of cash. I think I was about the sixth or seventh employee and um, their idea was to um, – so Numura also owned a number of pubs. They owned pub chains at the time. And so their, their, this startup idea was that they were going to sell in to the pubs. So the pubs were going to be able to buy all their products via uh, this e-commerce portal and so buy all their products that they needed, so f- all their beer, all their food, et cetera, for the pub. And so also be able to combine that with, say, their energy, et cetera. So good idea at the time, um, probably well ahead of its time from an e-commerce B2B um, digital perspective. And um, so the company kind of went about developing this product. The company grew to about 125 odd people. I ended up working there for a couple of years, ended up being a sort of fully fledged project manager, working on these e-commerce projects, etc. Um, I even introduced my husband to the company. He got a job. He was working in sales slash business development. So he was going out to pubs and sort of selling in um, selling into them these um, there was a separate sales team but he was more on the business he was actually on the business development front kind of finding companies that would partner with us um, to sell their products rather than actually selling to the pub sorry I got that wrong and so uh, what ended up happening is and what I ended up seeing at that business uh, that there was a real misalignment between say the company's strategy and how the company was going to make money and its product set and what people were selling. And so what ended up happening is they decided to, so back in those days, and this is where I sound really old. So people, so it was quite kind of new or it was 
people didn't have computers and these pubs that um, salespeople were going into didn't have computers. So what they decided to do was basically sell in, oh, we'll give you a computer if you then use this system that we've created to um, purchase all all your products. The problem was there was kind of no obligation to do that. So they kind of enticed them and, you know, the sales team seemed really successful because they're selling, you know, they're giving all these computers to all these pubs. And a lot of these pubs were actually located in probably lower class areas. And a lot of the publicans were just letting their kids use the computers really. And so I saw this real misalignment between, you know, a sales team thinking they're doing a good job because they're selling, but they're actually not selling the product that the company wants them to sell. This went on for quite some time. They're reporting back to, um, Namura, oh, we've, you know, we've sold X computers, we've got X company, um, you know, pubs on board with this solution, with this system. No one then really was kind of using the system. So there was a real misalignment between, you know, strategy, between product fit, between people actually really using the product. And, um, you know, that all really ended in uh, the company you know, Nomura actually uh, after a period of time, and as I said, this was a couple of years that I worked there, Nomura ended up saying, well, no, actually, um, we're going to pull our funding. And uh, the the company then liquidated overnight, which um, was interesting in a number of ways. Interesting because my husband and I both worked there. We weren't married at the time. We just um, moved in together, just got ourselves a new little flat. And um, so it was very interesting to see 125 people react to a company liquidating people. It's a very Australian term, I shit you not. People were literally grabbing things out of the office and leaving with them and um, like computers, phones, chairs, uh, tables, anything that wasn't. um, They had actually just paid everyone, so that was good. Everyone got got paid their wages, but there was no sort of severance pay or anything like that. And so it was a fascinating experience to see the growth of a startup, uh, to see the high of it, to then see it actually um, demise in that way. And um, and then also uh, I had a um, visa through that company to, say, to stay in the UK and so that also impacted us. Uh, we very much made, I very much, and, you know, this is, I'm, this is not about my resilience, but I very much made a decision that I wanted to stay in the UK and um, I actually found myself a job within uh, three days of that company liquidating by calling some contacts, et cetera. Uh, my husband, you know, ended up going and working at a call centre and a pub for a few weeks and, um, yeah, it was quite quite fascinating and it was really about, uh, you know, creating something, having, I think, so some of the problems I think that they occurred was they had a lot of money to do a lot of things and um, they really didn't put enough effort into that product fit, that product match that, um, you know, did is this product needed? Are people going to use this product? Um, and so, yeah, it ended up, uh, you know, after a number of years hard work, it ended up, you know, completely uh, folding up. And, um, yeah, that was, like I said, that was in the year 2000. So that was, you know, a really kind of interesting uh, insight into that um, that market. And, you know, it was really sort of, so the company that 
had sort of created this was called an um, ideas hub at the time. And so they were kind of like a incubator type um, piece. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of really popular 20 odd years on, you know, and um, there's lots of kind of companies that work in that space and, I can't really go into the details around the investment and around the relationship with Numura. The investment had happened sort of um, prior to me starting. There was obviously kind of pull-down amounts on that. I can't remember how much money they ended up spending creating the business. Um, But Numura basically kind of pulled funding and said, no, we're not investing anymore. And, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. And, you know, there'd been kind of, you know, a lot of growth, you know, going from, say, eight employees to 125 in that period. Um, you know, it was sort of, there was like the dot-com bubble um, piece was happening around that time as well. So it was certainly interesting to work in that. I also got the opportunity to work really in another startup environment again, um, which was uh, with Woolworths. And it was the creation of um, both their master's business and, um also, I've more worked on on the side of a business which was um, with the home timber and hardware stores and Woolworths bought about 30-odd different small home um, sort of hardware businesses. They bought some hardware businesses in Tasmania and in Victoria, et cetera, and they decided to kind of bring them under an umbrella and create a business. So Masters was happening on the side. I wasn't as heavily involved in Masters, but um, there was, I was heavily involved in this home timber and hardware and creating kind of a company out of 30 odd um, different stores that had been bought together and, um, you know, alignment. My role in that was uh, it was actually a business role and actually developing the business processes and the operating model for that business and, um, you know, running those projects and consolidating those businesses, which had been privately owned um, into kind of Woolworths, which was um, very interesting that um, I'm pretty sure that business is still going. Masters um, has been sold off uh, now. And I think, you know, the lesson for me in that was, at the time, there was a sort of a few people um, at the the top that maybe didn't get along and had kind of differing objectives and different and sort of different outcomes. They wanted different sort of things in the the alignment. There was also um, an alignment with a U.S. business as well. So certainly um, very interesting. In I think. I think sort of as well, some of the technology decisions weren't great, Um, sort of technology went backwards in some of those places. And so, um, you know, I think it's kind of, uh, and again, you know, they had um, a bit of money. And so I think sometimes when you've got a bit of money, your your impetus to sort of prove things, um, you know, you, you may be, you may be not required as much to prove as much what you're doing because you have got money. Does that make sense? Um, so I think maybe sometimes it's a little, it, you know, you've got to work a bit harder to prove things and you can continue. Well, I suppose I'm trying to say when you've got money, you can, can kind of tin, continue on longer without maybe proving something. I hope I hope that makes sense. I think I've made that sound a bit confusing. So I should also mention two other businesses that I worked for actually uh, that had startup ideas. So one was a food manufacturer many years ago. Uh, They had the idea to create a business that was 
gourmet foods but focused in the frozen food area. And so they really um, spend a lot of money, and I mean in the many, many millions, actually validating that idea to then basically wind that up. And so it was really, I think, you know, the learning for me in that business was about how do you actually, so I think they've spent a lot of money developing a website and um, I think they spent a lot of money developing the product um, that they were selling and I think they spent, um, they also opened like a physical retail site as well. And so that was a lot of investment to actually validate that. And so how could they have actually just done a much cheaper website, um, not kind of chosen top of the range you know, technology, et cetera, how could they have surveyed their customers to sort of validate that proposition? There wasn't, um, you know, the food tasted good, but they were expecting customers to want to go to an independent website to buy frozen gourmet food. And so really the learning there is how do you validate those those types of ideas with your customers, with your existing base, or create insights or survey people to kind of step to the next stage. Um, the other one that I worked on was, um, again, was with a big retailer um, and it fundamentally sort of changed how people pay for fuel in Australia. And uh, what they did was created... Um, a credit card that they um, so you could pay for your fuel like you know tap uh, tap and you can pay at the pump basically rather than going into the store um, which is great but they tied it to say their own branded uh, credit card so you had to have the credit card and so kind of having those rules around it didn't make it necessarily successful you're also sort of fundamentally changing how people pay for fuel um, in you know Australia plus also um, they were wanting to encourage people into their sites um, and into their you know stores to pay for fuel to kind of upsell them you know a can of coke or a meat pie or whatever and so it was kind of conflicting with their overall business model as well um, and so, yeah, that's about, you know, five or six examples of really that product fit, that market fit, that customer analysis, that, you know, what are the signals and what are the signs that you're reading to kind of take you to the next stage. And like I said, I think in, my, in most of those pieces that I talk about, the, the companies really kind of put too much money into it um, without actually seeing the payback essentially. So, Yeah. Anyway, and then look, you know, I've had my own startup businesses as well where I haven't had much money at all and I've really kind of had to do things um, myself. And so this is really about, I think, when, you, when you're working in the startup area, it's really about, you know, building out your idea and focusing on that product or service that you want to create, what your brand identity is. Um, I think also your market fit, I think that's really important. Uh, I think also your sales and marketing channels and how you're actually going to uh, create money. So I think how I think what's a really important question to ask yourself is how is this business actually going to make money? What what is my business model? Um, and so and then also I think it's around you know that sort of social media and just really that customer fit as well. And are have you have you got customers who are actually going to be willing to pay for a service? 
and um, you know making making that happen. And so, if I just talk about that a little bit more, so if I talk about kind of product fit and product test, I think it's around how can you create a product or a service that customers are invested in, customers want to purchase. How can you actually really sort of start that small test that idea and see if that if there's validity to that and see if anyone is actually going to uh, want to pay something. How do you do that in a really, you know, if so, you know, you can go down the investment route, you can um, bootstrap, um, but, you know, essentially, and, you you know, there's kind of different um, points of view on that one. But how do you really, you know, find that market fit? I think it's also important to do some competitor analysis. I think it's important to have a look at the size of the market. And so uh, what does the market look like? How, you know, how, how am I going to make money and how am I going to sustain this business? And then really, sort of focusing on that sales marketing and those channels and then how are you how are you driving customers to your product or your service and then how are you converting them and then how are you getting feedback and this just really kind of continuing to do that over and over and over again. Now, I think if you are bootstrapping yourself, um, I think it's important to really, you know, invest in your own learning. I think, um, you know, Google and YouTube and your network really are your best friends uh, in terms of, say, you know, creating a website, creating uh, social media presence, creating um you know, a network and customers and all of that type of thing. I mean, there's so much free uh, information out there for anyone starting their own business these days. So how do you tap into that? How do you look at kind of what that works? Um, there's also some great networking sites as well, you know, One Roof, Business Chicks, uh, Mia Friedman, Lady Startups, all of those are really sort of, you know, in that space. I think then if you're going after funding, I think you have to think to yourself in terms of your business, like, you know, where where do I want it to be maybe in five years' time? So do I want to be running it or is this something for me to, you know, develop, get in and say get out and have, you know, is the long-term goal that someone actually buys this off you? And so um, that might kind of sway your decision-making in terms of, say, funding and whether it's funded by yourself or, or not. Um, and then I think it's like looking, I think looking at your runway and also your drivers for having this business. So, you know, what are your drivers? Like why why do you want to do this? And, um, you know, having started two or three of my own businesses, I think you really need to be passionate about what you're doing. We started a business um, because it was a problem that we thought was worth solving but not necessarily, I wasn't necessarily, we ended up not necessarily being passionate about the product or service that we created. So, and um, we, you know, bootstrapped that ourselves. We didn't spend a lot of money. We created uh, a beauty marketplace online. But the things that we learned and um, the skills that we developed and how we upskilled ourselves along that process was certainly worth the money. And I think um, you then got to figure out as well, like how much time do I need to put into this? So how do I balance, say, my family or my friends or my work commitments? How do I sustain myself? Um, and, uh, how, you know, how long, how long do I do this for? And what, um, and I think, you know, any, any successful business 
that I see these days, it's five to 10 years, I I think. Um, you know, that sure, there's some people that do it a lot quicker than that. And um, I think sometimes if you've got some ready-made customers as well, that can be great. So um, it's how my dad got into business. He uh, was working for a major airline. He was working for Ansett Airline. They didn't want to service these aircraft that um, his him and his team were servicing. And so they, they were cutting their contracts. And my dad decided to, you know, with a business partner, pick that up, ready-made customer. Um, they knew how to do things. Um, and so they took that over and then he grew that business from there. So, you know, there's opportunities. And I think, I think sometimes we get caught up in the, in the running of the business to not be then working on the business and then really focusing on how am I going to make money and how am I going, how is this business going to wash its own face and um, how much do I money do I want to put into figuring that out to then um, and what are the signs to see that as well. And, you know, the best way to grow a business is, you know, when it's bringing in uh, money as well. And so, and then, you know, at what point should you hire people? At what point um, do you kind of, you know, I think anytime you start your own business, you're doing everything yourself. At what point can you then hire some people to help you? So, um, you know, with my latest business, Lady Leadership, I really was a year in and, you know, had many coaching clients under my belt, et cetera, before I actually helped, asked anyone to help me or hired anyone to help me and I've just hired someone to actually edit this podcast for me and produce this podcast for me and I've just hired someone to help me out with my social media as well and that's a year on so um, because I wanted to make sure that I could um, make some money before I actually spent more money than I was prepared to and and so really I did things uh, all myself. And now I've got the opportunity to actually work on different things in the business that are then continuing to grow the business and then really sort of focusing on those sales channels. So look, I hope that helps you. Um, I hope that gives you a little bit more idea around my background and where I've come from. I, I do careers coaching and I've been helping a lot of women with their careers. And I also do business coaching because I've spent a lot of time, a uh, number of years working in startups, advising startups for some really big organisations. And I have a good sense of developing strategies. I, I think I've mentioned before that I've worked for the last 10 years as a CIO. So I've always had to develop IT strategies and then deliver big, large IT projects off the back of that, uh, making change. And I think you've got a little bit more sense of my uh, startup work as well, which is, you know, um, certainly uh, certainly been beneficial to, to, you know, work in some different places, have my own, and then also um, work for some other startups as well. And so, look, I also do do business coaching as well. So for anyone listening that has got a small business that would maybe like uh, to discuss their business, by all means, have a look on my website and reach out. And um, yeah, just I uh, hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you um, if you like this podcast, then please drop me a review, um, share it with a friend and uh, continue to listen. I'd love to hear from you um, and um, love for you to reach out and to let me know what you're liking, what you're not liking. And um, look, I've got I've got some really super guests coming up as well. And uh, yeah, have, have a great uh, week and um, 
have a great uh, great 2021 as well cheers 